Welcome to the Ether. Today is Sunday, November 6, 2022. Today on the Ether, part two of the two part space hosted by the Yield Foundry, Y Foundry DAO, YFD, all of the above. Pivot to liquid staking and Bassets. Let's take a listen. I just did a, a big push to the YFD documentation yesterday, probably a couple more days, and we'll have uh, some really solid kind of guidance through all of the stuff that YFD is going to be bringing to the table with the MVP launch here in a couple of weeks. I'm really excited about that. I look forward to it. Yeah, I'd love, uh, we'll talk about it offline, but I'd love for you to take a look at it and say, this doesn't make sense. Cause it's such, we we've had some conversations with people and because we're doing a, a couple of different things that are not conventional to how the existing ecosystem is structured it's been a lot of work to try to figure out how to put those together in a way that allows people to connect the dots because of the pre-existing kind of cognitive bias that they have from how everything's worked up to this point. It sounds like there were a lot of questions you guys had to ask yourself in order to get here. Yeah, and it's also once you spend a thousand hours on looking at something and talking about a subject, it's really good to get a lot of outside perspective and how how is the best way to tell this story so that's understandable and and then go deeper on each of these um it's almost like stitching all of these things together it makes for a really long elevator pitch so there's almost like multiple elevator pitches in in a in an overall story and you can kind of dive deeper on some of these um mechanisms and how they work and the potential there uh, i think those are all separate you know, conversations, discussions, and documentation that needs to be fleshed out for sure. Yeah, just to throw out one piece of alpha and all this is like, so one of the things we built out in this system is basically any group of, any collaboration of people that have financial uh, entanglement with each other. So vault depositors, proposal depositors, um, overall governance, YFD depositors, they can all call votes on things. So it's like, it's kind of like when we're having this conversation, a lot of these scenarios we're talking about in the YFD ecosystem, you basically can like hit the button, hit the execution against the contract and say, let's have a vote with everybody who has a skin in the game in this particular financial situation. We can put, to, we can put forth a vote where everybody gets tokens based on their stake in the in the financial instrument and so i that doesn't exist in the current ecosystem today so having that additional element to basically allow any what do you want to call it commingled group of of financial people having the ability to form consensus amongst themselves in an organized and on-chain auditable way is uh is just like not it's hard to like 
inject that into the documentation at any point. Oh, you can actually call a vote and ask, you know, what's the consensus on this? I'm sorry. I'm, I'm typing right now, guys. I, I spaced out for a minute, <laughs> personally. No problem. Deeps, what do you have for us? Oh, <laughs> I, I saw the speaker request. I just wanted to come up here and say hi. Um, I, I'm sure I missed, like, yeah, hi. Um, I'm sure I missed like 99% of this. I'm reading the title. So if it's even possible, the quick TLDR here, are y'all like shifting away from um, like decentralized community vaults? Is it new focus now? Hell no. We're just joking with you. (laughs) This this is all just a game. No, I mean, I, I actually, we did talk about how, how, so much of this is a game, but um, no, I mean, it's really, I think there's so many people working on some of these core concepts and how to make those sustainable. So these would be some of the discussions and possible proposals for vault strategies that would work within our system. It's definitely not a, a pivot or anything as far as our focus. It's all, you're good. You're on board. Yes, JG. Oh, I just wanted to take a second and uh, run this uh, like self-bonded thing that we were talking about uh, by Deeps real quick and see what he thinks. So um, quick quick, uh, rundown is uh, Backbone Labs is launching its own launchpad. And one of the things that we are going to do, uh, one of the requirements that we are playing with is like a self-bonding mechanism. So, you know, the skeleton punks have been rugged and to prevent that happening to other future communities, if you would want to launch with us, we're thinking about uh, the project would need to commit 25% of their mint for uh, maybe six months to a vault that would LP uh, the, the Bone Luna Luna LP. So that would ensure the liquidity uh, stays deep on our um, LSD and at the same time addresses the NFT security side of things and protecting communities who are minting into projects. So at the end of the six months, if they didn't fulfill the roadmap, the community could st- come forward and claim that vault and then still have some money to carry on where if they did a good job at the end of six months, that community could come forward and claim that money and they actually have more value to claim or more tokens to claim um, and to c- carry on as well. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just <clears throat> trying to grapple with everything you just said. So question, is, is this... um. Is this like a vault infrastructure that you're saying you're trying to build on your launch pad? Is this something Y Foundry, like y'all have talked about? Well, so I'm, I'm actively, you know, trying to recruit Ray and Y Foundry all the time to do this <laughs> with us because I don't have the technical know-how. But I, you know, at the end of the day, we are, you know, we're going to conduct our, our own remit on, on Backbone Labs and, and we will have treasury and we will end up finding a way to implement this. Because for me personally, uh, I think, and this is a service we want to be able to offer to other marketplaces. Like, hey, you know, you can give your the people launching with you the option uh, to sell bond, and then we would put, you know, that would help secure the DeFi aspect of the LSD and how smooth it's trading. Because of, uh, you know, we don't want to have any deficiencies in liquidity. That'd be completely the anti point of the LSD, right? Right. Um, yeah, this is interesting. Um, curious to hear more about it uh you know ray and the rest of the team like what how did you all feel about this like this proposal that jg was bringing up yeah i have a few questions but in overall i mean i you know that's the beauty of what y foundry offers anyone is is 
skeleton punks can put up a vault proposal and we can help them make that like a cohesive like comprehensive technically viable vault proposal and then the community can fund it and and like uh jj was saying earlier is like it's okay for for yft to take some profit there so the community will take their chunk of the profit that they fund out of it but i mean i think it's a it's a it's a workable option i think i have some some questions based on our own uh research that we did into how we're funding our own vaults we're we're definitely not using our own assets to fund our vault structure because it puts sell pressure on uh on the underlying token so we don't want to do that but i think we could figure out a way to make that a viable buy-in you know sell out or something aspect because it sounds like from the conversations we've had right jg that the the motivation from skeleton punk side is to stabilize and increase the liquidity pool available for b luna and luna on astroport but while at the same time giving security to the people who are engaging in minting of new projects because if they know that there's some money there that's held in reserve until the project proves its metal and worth then they have a little bit more uh they can trust maybe that that project's a little more serious you know it's not a guarantee but it, it helps yeah i think there's a lot of potential there and in the end like that whole like let's uh come to yfd with an idea and propose it and then get the power of the community to flesh that out i mean that's what it's all about you know we'll figure out a way to make make it happen and then there'll be something a useful model and something valuable for the overall ecosystem that someone else can come in and build other iterations whether it's you know you know jg and team skeleton punks continuing to refine and build on top of that with additional functionality and vaults or whether it's another team that's leveraging this um and launching launching through their platform so but yeah it's all it's all going to be open source so i mean i'm excited to see the permutations and other projects use some of this text to do what they want to do and advance the roadmaps and i think it's going to build stability in the entire ecosystem because just like every cosmos chain runs the same you know tendermint and essentially the same version you're building stability across protocols by utilizing the same code base to some degree across multiple protocols it's going to be I mean, it's still going to allow for innovation, but it's going to be much more valuable because you're going to, if everybody's using the same language and building stuff in a similar structure, it's going to create a lot more interoperability and a lot better communication between between projects. Look, at the end of the day, in my mind, I'm trying to bridge these DeFi communities with these NFT communities. And I know that there's a way that they can kind of protect each other and fuel each other. They just don't know it yet. That's why we need these vaults and we got to teach them what's going on. Now, I, I, I listen in on um, NFT spaces, um, and they're usually not IBC related at all. I think they're mostly uh, Polygon and Solana. No, I don't hold any of them. Um, I'm a certified lunatic. Uh, I just listen in for really the energy and you know the idea the idea and such of you know of community and the nft community stuff because i like I, i'm behind all of it and you know i've always likened the concept of an entity to a certificate of authenticity and 
I've been reminded, you know, by these spaces and the continuous engagement of these random strangers that, you know, that there are a lot of people here that are just in it for the art. To which I ask JG, you know, with respect to the, um, you know, this approach for a, you know, um, not, not an escrow vault, but this, uh, this self-bonded approach um, for this, uh, this road mapping of sorts. Is there any space or place in this type of uh, launch pad that's kind of reserved for um, the type of NFT that doesn't really uh, see itself having, you know, an, an extended roadmap. I mean, I see, because I see a lot of projects that are like, okay, so we intend to do this and we intend to do that, but then there are just artists that, you know, that are just busting out some art that have no real uh, direct connection. They have no intention to be used in DeFi, no intention to be borrowed against and, and such like that. Well, yeah, but so totally if they're, if they come to us and we're, and they show us our roadmap and they're like, yeah, we're just an art community and we can, we want to just put out art PFPs and that's what we want to do. Well, we still want them to do it for a long time. If people are going to be buying their asset, we are, we're trying to ensure that these things don't just go to zero immediately. Right. So for us, there is space for them, but they would still have to take the same commitment and say, yeah, we're, we're pledging 25% that we're going to be here for six months. Uh, so without, you know, you know what I mean? Like they, anybody can come participate, but we just want, are putting in some rules that would make them stick around. And if gotcha. not, so to right. avoid the, the liquidity drain. Well, ju not just the liquidity drain. We just don't want. Is it just me or did we lose JG? No, I can I hear him. Okay. It's a you problem. <laughs> yeah. You so, may want to, I don't know if you can hear me, Ray, but yeah, you may disconnect and reconnect and it should resolve Twitter does these sort of like individual rugs occasionally especially when people are dropping alpha yeah right away <laughs> every time but so uh what were we saying so so basically it's 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 look one of the requirements is that if you want to mint with us you have to have a multi-sig we're not minting anything that's not to a multi-sig right so that automatically kind of uh, will narrow that down but it's not guaranteed so the next layer of security is if you want to mint with us because we've been rugged and if you want us to stick our name out for you, well, then you got to put 25% in the game. We are lunatics. We do DeFi. And what we're going to do is we're going to put it in a vault and we're going to LP it for you. You see what I'm saying? And then at the end, if you guys do everything you said you've done or we're going to do, then you guys come pick up that, that vault with that interest. You actually gain money from leaving it there. And then hopefully that also takes you to the next level for, the, for those NFT projects and those communities. But the icing on the cake really is that if, if we can use this NFT energy and minting and security feature to uh, secure and protect the LSD uh, liquidity depth, right? Like, let's just say hypothetically, these are very, uh, you know, I don't know if these are possible. Let's just say that we were able to launch two collections uh, a month, right? I, mean, I don't think that's going to happen right now in this market, but let's just say, right? And let's say each collection were to launch and, and do at least $100,000 in minting. These are very positive numbers, right? And so 25,000 would be put into the LP, LP pool for six months. Well, that is if we were to do that twice a month, that's an extra 50,000 every month until you get to six months, right? And then obviously if projects are coming to collect, but that's like, I mean, at those numbers, that's like 300,000 uh, whatever Luna, let's say Luna, that's, in, that's now LP'd 
that keeps our and protects our LSD, right? This is a whole new model to protect the, the, the liquidity depth. Nobody else is attacking it from this. And uh, at the same time, it does allow uh, people who are minting into projects to have a, some security that they, that they can't just run away with everything. Yeah, and I think it's all about options. Um, you think about something that we've talked about um, that's, uh, you know, enabling various types of projects, whether that's NFT projects or um, other apps, you know, to be built using the mechanisms that YFD provides. Um, that concept of advanced funding for a project, I think, is super powerful. So, you know, I absolutely you know, JG, like that, that, you know, banding together the power of the community there. Um, like, I think that that is like super, super worthy. And I want to see that happen, but say that there is, um, you know, someone who just wants some advanced funding for their project. I think there's going to be mechanisms to have a almost sort of like, um, I have uh, to break in here one second. Yeah, go ahead. So Alameda has offered to buy FTT directly from Binance at $22 in FTT. Wait, FTT did what? I couldn't hear you. Uh, they've FTT, Alameda has responded saying because uh, Binance was going to sell off their liquidate their FTT holdings. Alameda has come back and said, we'll just buy it to you OTC over the counter. Don't, don't dump it on the market. We'll just buy it from you. Wow. Those guys got deep pockets, man. I don't think so, but sorry, Ash. I'll, I'll take my beating later. So urgent, urgent news. Um, no, I, I was just talking about the potential for, say you're, you're an artist, you want to launch your project. There's a feast and famine sort of component right now. You have to struggle to release your project. You kind of scrape by to work out the details. And then you have this mint where hopefully you are successful and you, you know, get the money back from that. Um, using some of these escrow capabilities that we're building out, you know, that concept of almost a guaranteed whitelist sort of experience, you know, someone could put up the advanced funding if they really believe in a project. And as long as the project meets its milestones, you'll be able to um, see some of that and keep yourself afloat and actually, I don't know, eat and pay some bills while you're working on this stuff. Um, instead of it being, I, I see it's the potential for the whole space to move faster um, and you can actually focus on some of these things instead of scraping by. I mean, how many people do we know this is a side hustle and they're kind of scraping by to build some really cool stuff? Like, could you have these mechanisms where you get these commu the community behind and then you combine that with some of the stuff that, you know, JG's talking about, like an even stronger, you know, kind of case for, Okay, well now you can even plug into this larger community and take advantage of you know that as your overall community. Um, I, I I think there's there's going to be a lot more um, potential there once we we're continuing to develop you know beyond just kind of the financial strategies for NFT projects or honestly projects of any type to launch. But yeah, I could totally see a one shot deal. Like maybe they're just interested in launching a an a collection they don't necessarily aren't as concerned with like okay past this launch i don't necessarily want you know have a roadmap or anything but i mean a lot of those 
artists, I mean, they'll continue their work. So, I mean, it's almost like you could have a Patreon sort of experience where you're continuing to put out, you know, valuable things that the community will like, um, but you get that sort of steady stream of income and funding there without it being as, I don't know, um, yeah, like Eastern Famine, like I was talking about. So, JG, who... Um... Who approves the release of that last 25% of the funds? Have you figured that? Okay, so no, that part has not been solved in this equation. Okay, so look, this is where we are. I'm just going to be honest, right? We're doing our own first uh, remint of the latecomers or the left behinds that will be happening later this month. That money will be uh, then be able to fuel these ideas that we're talking about. And we have we have people in place ready to to go do it, but we have not, we've definitely not hammered out all the details. You know, one of the things we were thinking about is maybe we could uh, even, we were going to, we're going to launch for, I believe a 5% fee, which is less than every other launch pad. And um, we were thinking about even taking a less cut if they wanted to mint in bone Luna, you know what I mean? Like there's all kinds of stuff that we're trying to still hammer out that are, have definitely not, none of this is, I'm going to be honest, none of this is in concrete yet is, is in stone at all. So if somebody has a good idea, like, tell me about it. <laughs> no, that's great. I mean, and I, I think that these are all the details that will work out. And like I said, the concept of like, okay, you, you could have some of these mechanisms and launch this project on your own. And it's better than what the situation is currently where you're trying to either scrape together funds, you're looking for a developer and you don't know how to start or, um, you're partnering even worse partnering with a marketplace or something like that. That's going to just like extract all the value out of your project. Um, I, I think you, you know, like, I, I, you have more options, to, you know, today than you did yesterday for that, but, Oh, you've also got these options to here's a larger, like passionate NFT community that you can plug into, be a part of that family. And there's just tons of benefits to that. Um, so we'll figure out, you know, the specifics. And honestly, I don't think it's going to be, here's the perfect model. I think it's going to be useful to have all sorts of different options to take advantage of, present, and the more more options that a project has to do things the way that it wants to do it, I think the better. And I couldn't agree more. You know, I, I would love to have these vaults have multiple strategies. I would love to be able to have as many options as possible. You know, for right now, you know, we are a skeleton crew, no pun intended. We are trying to do the most with the least that we have, you know, and we basically so far what you see today, let me explain. So Backbone Labs has literally only cost out of pocket $1,020. And that was for the audit for the fee splitter contract. Everything else that's come about has literally just been donated from the, the Alliance partners time, uh, know-how, uh, expertise, right? Like everything that, that we put together has only been possible because of our web three friendships, literally like, I, man, I'm, I, I would, I'm dying to get some funding. Like we have so many good ideas popping off in, in, in this, uh, in this one chat that we have, like, literally it's like, it's like a freaking gold mine in there, but we don't have the money to implement these things yet. You know? So yeah. We're all yeah, in the I mean, same what boat. <laughs> yeah, no, totally. I totally get that. And I mean, what is money? You know, at the end of the day, it's this abstract thing that is a measure of the value of our time. Um, Ray and I have 
riffed on this and we can have a whole space on this one but yeah i mean like uh, is your time you know how how valuable is that you know all the time and hours that have been put into this stuff um much more valuable i would say than the actual money that was put into it um how can we have these systems that properly support those people and reward them for the time that's invested now um as they're building something amazing for the future i completely agree 100%. 100%. Yeah, time is the most valuable asset. Everything else is just a measure of that asset. That's just what the breakdown is. And it's a great equalizer. I mean, we all have the uh, I'm not saying everybody's time is equally is valuable for what they can contribute, but we all have the same units of time that we are dealing with. For now, until I think they're saying in like what 10 10 or 20 years that'll be uh you'll be able to live forever. Essentially, the medical technology will be able to preserve everyone. So if you want to turn this space over to that, I could speak quite a bit about what's going on there. That's another rabbit hole that I've fallen into along with crypto. So maybe we have a DAO specifically around funding some of that stuff. And it isn't like the latest thing that like they're attacking aging like a disease and like they're trying to solve it from that aspect now. It is a disease. Well, I mean, it's a cellular breakdown. I don't know if that's a disease or a design flaw, but, you know. Yeah, I mean, it's really looking at it as a, it, it's, you know, all of the, like, the um, ailments that come with age, you know, which are numerous, whether it's cancer or neurodegenerative disease, brain, you know, um, Alzheimer's and things like that. Um, they're all symptoms of underlying aging as the disease. And then looking at like, what are the mechanisms to fight? You know, why do we age and how can we possibly accelerate, you know, reverse it? I mean, they've done studies of, you know, in mostly, you know, mice, but have been able to accelerate aging and even reverse in some instances. Um, Very interesting research recently. I mean, there were, there was a mice that had, like um degenerative like eye issues so they got to where they were blinded in old age and they were able to apply some like a uh, genetic processes to reverse the age of the eye so they could actually see as if they were younger so i i don't know i think we're closer than people uh, acknowledge to some of this uh, there's a lot more to it obviously to figure it out but it's pretty exciting yeah i've been following dental um progress for over 20 years and just that like they had the dude in germany in like 2000 2001 where they built a wireframe mesh and then used cells to regrow his entire jaw because he lost his jaw due to jaw cancer and then they'd figure out figured out how to actually regrow the teeth to put into the jaw i mean i've i've specifically avoided any major dental procedures for the fact that I think within the upcoming decade we'll have in this decade, we'll have the ability to just pull out a tooth and put a new tooth in instead of, you know, do fillings and all the rest of this stuff. Yeah. Well, I, I think like applying some of this tech to your whole body to like turn back the whole clock is maybe a little ways out, but looking at it very specifically to oh i can't see anymore and i can actually use this to now see like those very specific treatments or regrowing or or growing like a replacement body parts in a petri dish and you know you're getting a transplant with your own liver or something like that 
I think that that's really close. Well, I need the liver thing soon, but um, do you know why the, <laughs> the, the baby, you know, why babies are so appealing to people is because like our eye, our eyes are the same when we're born as they are like throughout your entire age. I mean, they degenerate, but babies have proportionally larger eyes than adults because it's the same like eye tissue as it is, you know, in a baby as it is in an adult. Yeah, that's crazy. Again, I could riff on this for a while. Uh, supplements and molecules and things that are having very promising longevity effects and even diet nutrition, the boring stuff, they actually understand, hey, there's actually some, like we understand some of the mechanisms and why this, um, you know, makes you feel better doing some of these things is because, you know, you're actually like kind of decoupling the biological age from the chronological age for some of this. And I stress. This, chronic stress. <laughs> Don't be in a chronic, chronic stressful environment. I have chronic stress working on YFD. <laughs> <laughs> well, too bad. You've got to you've got to keep doing that. No, I, I, like that's like uh, the the biggest thing in my mind, honestly. Like running the like daily grind through corporate, you know, the corporate world. Like, I mean, they're literally killing yourself in some cases. I think there's a lot to be said, though, that people shouldn't live forever because you need that progress. I mean, if, if the boomers live forever, it would be miserable for anybody coming up after them. Yeah, I mean, you can make that argument for sure. And it seems like in certain cases, it, we're almost waiting for the old guard to die to advance new ideas. But I don't know that that argument. Look at the I kind president. Look at the president of the United States. They're not getting younger. They're getting older. I mean, we got an 80-year-old, almost 80-year-old president in the United States. Yeah. Well, I mean, you could also make the argument for, hey, once people get to, I don't know, where they get afflicted with cancer, they should go ahead and die to make room for younger people. Like, it's kind of a slippery slope there. And I don't think it's across the board. I, I think, like, you can make an argument for, hey, if people lived longer, and it wasn't just like extending the end portion of their life. It's extending their productive years so they could have like more than, you know, two, three, four careers and actually change and adapt and grow. Then maybe it makes a little bit more sense. But I do agree with you based off of what we're seeing right now. Like, <laughs> I, I thought the government like tried to use uh, COVID to, to wipe out a percentage of the population. But. I mean, if, if we're talking about like people in their productive years, we'd be screwed that way, too, because Rupert Murdoch would own everything and Elon would own everything and Jeff Bezos will own everything. I mean, it'll just consolidate power to like a handful of people. Well, that's what we're trying to solve here, right? With uh, crypto, like how could you have a system where if people are providing value, you have to give up some of that power to get that value there's not these mechanisms to where you just continually snowball and you know obtain more and more influence and power but now we're talking about why we have to produce and release like egalitarian governance through blockchain and cryptography before like the aging process can be stopped we have we have a world power you know a world issue type of movie scenario that we can solve now. Absolutely. So liquid staking and BSS. 
Yeah, back to that, right? Yeah, you're, you're getting a glimpse into the crazy, like, rants of Crash and, and Ray back and forth when we're, like, talking about what we want to be solving for and and uh, talking about different sci-fi things uh, brought to life, sci-fi uh, possibilities brought to life. Totally, and then we should talk about, you know, the reality of the the Dune future, which is essentially that eventually the AI computers rise up and try to kill the humans. So the uh, human population destroys all computers and no longer relies on computational instruments at all due to the, uh, due to the uh, murderous nature of machines. So we should just start building like paper ledger version of the blockchain without computers is basically what you're saying. We should pivot to that. And training mentats, clearly. Does anybody else have any questions or comments? Rebel, you want to come up and talk about uh, Atom 2.0 and the tribal wars or, uh, or Feather or anything else? Or Alameda getting liquidated tomorrow? I would actually love a conversation about um, Adam and Adam 2.0 because I haven't been as deep in it as you have, Ray. Yeah, like for those people that were in the United States, it's one of those. Um, it's it's basically Adam 2.0 is the Affordable Care Act. It's we don't have time to read it. We don't have time to explain it. You just need to pass it. Trust us. We'll figure it out after you guys approve it, and then we can like basically run on the mandate of our vision statement is law. When you frame it like that, it sounds pretty terrible. Not gonna lie. Well, everything is like, oh, we'll we'll solve it later. This is just a this is just a feeling. But then everybody's butt hurt that people are saying no to their feelings. So it's like, well, is it just you want to know what people think, or do you want to use this as a mandate to enforce some sort of like you approved it, so now we get to do it? Uh, Don Kryptonium is great. I wish he would join one of these spaces, but he said it best. It's like there's just so much bullshit. Like people need to quit being shitty and stop bullshitting and just actually, you know, sit down and do the work. You, they're asking for like over $440 million worth of discretionary funds, but they can't actually explain how they're going to spend them. I mean, come on. Yeah, there's definitely a room for a lot of leeway and, and wiggle room in that huge slush fund. <laughs> and then it's the, um, you're getting me on a rant now, but it's the game of, Oh, well, we're only going to use 4 million atom per year. We're just going to issue a tranche of 4 million atom per year. But your white paper says that they can be called at any time. And it's, it's 10 tranches and 11 tranches in total with one coming out immediately. And then 10, 10 more tranches of 4 million atom. But you're telling me that you're going to do it one, per, one tranche per year. But your paper says at any time. So it's like if it's one tranche per year, then put that in the paper. Yeah, for sure. I mean, just in general, like, that's what we have hoped to, like, I mean, that's what we hope to avoid with um, our mechanisms on a much smaller scale for YFD, you know, just like, hey, come in, like, flesh this proposal out, like, tell the community exactly what you're going to do in words that they understand, like, that whole, uh, oh, just trust us, we'll... We, we we know better and you know you're not going to understand some of the complexities anyway like I, that just doesn't fly for me yep I, I completely agree 
we we've been around i think all of us have been around long enough that you know the, the people who make fun of code is law are the people who like to not follow what they say yeah i mean it's got to be a balance i i do agree like there's a reason that the, i mean there's there are very good applications for this technology um you know the on-chain like the true implementation of like smart contracts uh, you know, the challenge is like you know obviously you have to have mechanisms to have the community can have a voice ideally equal voice in what's going on and be able to adapt you know you can't have something so rigid that you know it gets outdated and it's inflexible and can't adapt but i mean as long as you have mechanisms to do that like I mean, having more of this transparency and more of this visible, I mean, that's just better for if you're really wanting to build something um, impactful. I think it's just better for for that as opposed to, yeah, obscuring and just trust us and the cults of personality and everything else that kind of spawns out of what we see. And if we want to tie this back to um, liquidity, and liquid staking. I mean, liquid staking is a very new and yet old concept in the sense that it's derivatives. It's you're you're applying something into the market and then you're actually trying to basically double spend something. It's it's leverage in a different sense. So I mean, we're still really new on liquid staking. And I know the big push of the Atom 2.0 contract is, you know, kind of embracing liquid staking, but there hasn't really been a huge amount of uh, what do you want to say proof proof of concept. I mean, we're still definitely in a development and testing phase of like what is the actual consequence of liquid staking. Yeah, for sure. Uh, John, hey everybody, what's up? Welcome. How's it going? Hey, hey. Uh, pretty good. Hi. Yeah, pretty good. Um, yeah, I just noticed. Um, on uh telegram that this chat was going on so i decided to come over and jump in and i'm always curious about when protocols pivot and uh, i'm very curious about liquid staking in general i work for stride the liquid staking provider in the cosmos so uh, what's going on here i i understand i'm kind of at the tail end of this conversation but maybe for my sake you can give me a little recap yeah i mean how familiar are you with uh yfd well, uh, I was just, uh, you know, generally kind of trying to wrap my head around it. Like, uh, I've read some of the stuff you've put out, but uh, to be frank, I never fully understood it. And uh, I, it was kind of on the back burner. Like, it was something I was going to dig into later on. But uh, if you're going to totally pivot, then um, maybe I don't need to try to understand what you were going to do before. Yeah, definitely not totally pivoting. So it's more of a conversation about, you know, our, our platform is all about connecting uh, connecting you know the ideas with the builders and funding to be able to realize those ideas so you know think of it as on-chain you know crowdfunding with some um you know kind of jobs of the future kind of a, a community of builders that own the own the project sort of concept so Initially, we'll be launching with different various um, strategies and tools for strategists to come and be able to launch their DeFi, um, you know, their DeFi vault strategies. And that's kind of where the discussion came from. Uh, we had the, you know, liquid staking, B assets. There's 
people in the space that are interested in some of these concepts and really just talking through like what of this is sustainable what of this like what lessons have we learned up until this point and where do we go from there and i think that that's that's the connection it will enable our strategy so it's less of a pivot but more just kind of focused on how this applies just to be clear so you're not going to be a liquid staking provider yourself you're just going to like work very closely with uh liquid staking providers of course we we are a neutral uh, marketplace. The nobody wants to join a space that says building on Web three or governance in Web three. So pivoting to liquid staking attracts a lot more. Uh, attention. Hello, did I uh, lose uh, my connection? Maybe I did. No, no I can no. hear you. I think no, we Ray, can hear you. for some reason. <laughs> it's one of those like. Can you hear me, John? Yeah, I can hear you. Oh, it's one yeah. of those things. It's one of those little individual Twitter rugs that makes no sense where you can't hear Ray apparently, but I can hear him and hear you. Um, but yeah, I, as you say, like we're a neutral marketplace, so we're we have all the tools to partner with whoever is doing the liquid staking um, and the sort of BS that's con- like we would love to have the big brains in our community as well as these on-chain mechanisms that we're creating to enable some of the partner projects to launch oh okay i see uh sorry i i still don't fully understand though uh like what do you do exactly then like you've got this vault idea so like your platform allows people to come up with vaults and then you build the vaults for them and uh, could you walk me through the process maybe yeah absolutely so as a um someone who has an idea and let's say it's a vault strategy in uh, this perspective, maybe it's some sort of liquid staking strategy. You can come to the YFD community, put up a proposal for that. The community can help you kind of refine that proposal, test it, you know, refine your idea essentially and make it make it uh, work. Or maybe you have that all fleshed out, that's fine. You put it up for proposal, the community can vote on it. And there's an opportunity for you know, you put up some initial funding and then others in the community can also put up some funding to own a share of the fees that result from that vault. Then it goes through a sort of bid process with builders from the community. So you could have different development firms that could decide, you know, you could vote on whichever whitelisted developer you want to actually realize that, uh, help with the auditing process and all of that, like all of that will be a part of the milestones for the development. And then eventually it gets to where the vault is released. Every funder and we call them boosters, every booster of that vault to that help to create it, as well as the original proposer, the strategist, they get an NFT that represents their share of ownership of that vault. And then they can claim the fees that are generated based off of how many of those shares that they have. Um, and then the vault can be, you know, it'll be on the YFD marketplace, or it could be, you know, also in your own like web page or your own protocol. Like, you know, it's 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 all open source, so you can use these tools to, you know, put it anywhere front end and back end will all be open source. So that's kind of the concept is um, instead of instead of it being a platform where you know all of the 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 individuals can come and kind of crowdfund and crowdsource their ideas to a certain extent and then get the 
fees from that, um, the benefit from that, instead of it all going to just like a another protocol that, you know, is just launching it on their own. Okay. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, yeah, I think I understand. So is it a lot like um, sommelier then? Um, maybe I'm pronouncing that wrong. Um, you know, like Zucky's thing that he has? It's similar, but it's not the same. We're, I mean, we're, we're chain agnostic where they're at a chain. Oh, I guess Ray is speaking at this point. <laughs> I'm afraid. He said, it, he said it's similar, but it's not the same. We're chain agnostic. Um, so it's not specific to a chain. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, that sounds interesting. Uh, so like, a, uh, oh yeah, go ahead. Oh, sorry. I, there's, there's way deeper we can go into it. Um, there's a lot of novel things that we're doing with the milestones, the escrow payments, the governance options um, for those that have a stake in whatever that original idea is, as well as, you know, at beyond the initial like strategies, looking at how can we use these mechanisms to fund any sort of project, getting advanced funding for an NFT launch, building your own DAP, um, whatever you want to do, that's kind of where we're going. So it's almost like a community, a co-op of builders that um, have this platform where it's a marketplace, but it's also a way for um, people to come in and and kind of build whatever they want to whatever they want to see happen oh interesting neat um so then what exactly do you mean by pivot to liquid staking like um it's in the title right there uh, yfd pivot to liquid staking uh what were you thinking uh with regard to that uh, that was really, we were just uh, having a deeper conversation with JG and some others on here who are doing liquid staking. How can we help? Oh, with, so uh, just realize some of their ideas. So. A little bit of clickbait, huh? <laughs> Pivot. Yeah, it's a little clickbait. bit of a poor, poor, poor attempt at a, a marketing maybe there. But yeah, sorry if we got you on that one and you're in here and now you're regretting life and why you joined this space <laughs> based off of the title. But you know, what? you know what, though? One of the things that I was... Uh, that I've been talking to them about is that we have this new idea we're kicking around of self-bonding with their vaults because uh, Backbone Labs is going to be a launch pad and we're going to ask to, to stop NFT mints from rugging. We're going to ask projects to, uh, we think what, what we're going for is to take 25% of their mint and put it in one of these vaults that will be an LP between B Luna and Luna. And we can try to do this once or twice a month this will do two things. It will, for six months, the project will have to be on its good behavior to get those funds back. If they don't, it goes to the community. So this gives security to the people investing in the projects. And on the other side, what this does is we are now able to protect our liquid staking pool with these 25% increments that we are launching from the Backbone Labs launchpad. So in essence, we are fusing the, like the power of NFT minting, and we are protecting the DeFi liquid staking uh, token and pool trading, you know, mechanism. Yeah, that's pretty cool. That's a really good idea. Um, yeah, that's neat. Uh, sorry, I, like I'm not entirely familiar with Backbone Labs. Like, I, obviously, I know about B Luna and everything. I think I'm in one of those Telegram rooms. But like, did you just spin up Backbone Labs recently, or? Did it exist on like before the crash? No. So basically, look, so you have your your core members who uh, have been working for the Skeleton Punks for free. 
right? This whole time since the crash, we haven't gotten any money and we're going to turn it into a DAO. And so we were figuring like, okay, we're going to build this auto compounder for the community. Like, but how do we pivot and how do we go to another level? So we were like, oh, well, we can, we can create backbone labs and we can have that make the auto compounder for the community and give it to them. And this would then give us a platform to start something else like a launch pad. And then from that, I was like, wow, we could actually, because of the skeleton punks reputation, we've been rugged. We fought through that. We are in a unique position to say, if you want our name and come to our platform, we have this uh, insurance, this self-bonded process in place. And the way we use that self-bonded to help the, uh, the entire ecosystem is we place it in, to this LP pairing, you, so you will get interest. It protects the, the whole system to keep it liquid and keep it trading well. And at the same time is giving security to investors in, in new projects. Yeah, that's pretty cool. That's a really nice, mutually beneficial idea. And it provides that liquidity there, like you were saying, and that will benefit um, skeleton punks and skeleton punk holders. So that's pretty cool. Thanks, brother. And we're so open that Y Foundry will help us do this. And then, you know, all, we always are trying to... In, uh, you know, bring business to our partners. So we would, you know, like we said, we want them to come in, take their share, help us do this and, uh, you know, continue to advance it because I think there's a lot of potential with like this self-bonded thing that NFTs could do. They could utilize that in so many ways, actually. Yeah. Yeah. That's yep. interesting. And, John, and you said, so... oh, sorry, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. You got it. Oh, well, yeah. I... I was going to ask about the auto compounder. So you mean like for LP shares from Astroport, it would be competing with um, Spectrum? Uh, so basically, it's not a, I don't know if it's a competing, it's just that, well, I guess it is competing. I guess so. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's totally competing, I guess. Like, But we're competing against Spectrum. We're competing against Stator. We're competing against everybody who's doing the same thing, except we're sharing, we're doing 100% revenue share, right? 70% to the LP pool, 30% to the skeleton punked out. I mean, nobody else is going to give away 100% of their fees. It's just not going to happen. So I don't know. I, I, I feel extremely confident in this model. It, to me, this model is the most altruistic and community-based. There's no arguing that, I don't think. Yeah, from my perspective, it's also the most sustainable. Because uh, uh, when you proposed that idea or whoever it was in that telegram room, like more than a month ago, the idea of putting uh, LSD fees as LP incentives into the LSD pool, that's a really, really smart idea. And um, yeah, 7% is definitely a good start. And that's really interesting. And I think that's a really big differentiator if you can communicate that really well. Because that makes your LSD definitely the most sustainable one in at least like the whole uh, Terra ecosystem. Because the other ones either have inflationary token rewards or no token rewards for their uh, liquid uh, liquidity pool incentives, you know? No, 100%. You know, I would really, I know that you are, have ties with Stride. But I mean, if you're able to help us outline this, it can't just come from me. I sometimes feel like I'm like a one man band, like beating a drum, right? I got like three accounts and on different projects and I can't keep doing it. Like, you know, people need to also come to the conclusion and help you like, hey, this is actually the better model. Like, what do you guys think? Let's try it out. You know what I mean? Yeah, uh, I was definitely going to do that from the Orbital Command account uh, sometime. Because like I'm, I really do like that idea, and I really think it needs to be publicized. There are like there, there's five liquid staking providers on Terra alone, I think, and um, yeah, B Luna 
definitely stands apart from the others. Uh, how's it going with getting Astro incentives? Okay, so I just did an update. Uh, you know, we talked internally and we found a way to actually do the Astro incentives and convert the XYK pool to the stable pool all in one thing. So we will put that proposal forth. It'll be switching the pool and getting the Astro awards in, in one proposal. Oh, nice. So you already have a pool? Like the product is already live? Yeah, there is an actual pool, but it, I believe it's the XYK pool. So we need to convert it after uh, the discussions on the forum and speaking to Max and a bunch of uh, the Sherpas and Astroport. Uh, just, you know, doing more due diligence. Um, we, do, uh, we weren't aware of uh, the difference of the pools until it came to our attention. At least I wasn't. So uh, I'm, I'm sure other members in the team have much more in-depth information than I do on this, you know, but so we're able to do it. We're able to accommodate it. And uh, we're going to be putting forth the proposal on chain uh, either today or tomorrow. We just need to work out the remainder of the execute code to actually change the pool over. Yeah. Yeah. That's not too hard to do. Hey, I'm curious. Like uh, I know I'm asking all these questions. It kind of seems like an interview or no, something, good. but, but I'm just curious about these things. Um, um, JG, uh, what were you thinking of doing to account for the LSD drift? Because like it can't be a pure stable swap pool like with USDC to USDT, because like your LSD is going to appreciate against the. Uh, it, that's how you have it set up, right? It appreciates against the underlying asset. Yeah. Uh, so you are one hundred percent right. This is a problem that every LSD is trying to tackle right now. I don't have the answer to have these stay at parity uh, yet. Okay, yeah, because like that's an interesting situation because like it, it would be fine because like the the appreciation of the LSD is going to be like I guess thirteen or fourteen percent per year, so it won't really be an issue for a couple of months, I figure. But like eventually, it would be an issue, and you would have to reset the pool. I suppose. Um, interestingly, I can provide you with maybe something that you don't know about osmosis because I work at Stride and everything. Um, yeah, anyway, uh, osmosis is, is going to have their stable swap pools coming up very soon, like in the next few weeks even. And they're going to have a scaling factor. Uh, like right when they launch the stable swap pools on osmosis, they're going to have a scaling factor. So you can set that and it's like tailor made for LSDs. It fixes this particular problem that we're talking about. Well, then I have a quick question. Is Osmosis going to let us come back and play? Because if they don't, what are we talking about? <laughs> yeah, well, uh, there are Luna pools on Osmosis. Um, your LSD, is it the kind that can go across IBC? I mean, we're a Luna 2 or IBC integrated. It should be compatible. But what I mean is if I go to Osmosis Zone, I can't deposit Luna funds. Can I deposit my Luna funds and swap on Osmosis? I don't think I can. Can I? Oh, you can. Can't you do that yeah. on Frontier? Yeah, yeah, exactly. You can. Except that there's like a couple of liquidity pools for Luna, and they're just terribly, terribly shallow. Got you. Okay, okay. It's on Frontier. That's right. All right, all right. Yeah. I was just looking at the regular Frontier. Osmosis Zone. <laughs> I was just looking at the regular one. I'm like, where is it? <laughs> and it just comes down to a, like a governance vote to kind of graduate it from Frontier over to Osmosis Zone, right? Like you've got to prove it's salt before yes, uh, before move forward? Something like that. I, it's hard to say because it's not entirely consistent and clear, but it's either 
like you have to get Osmo incentives or you just have to be seen as a reputable pool? You know, I think you gave us the answer. If, Osmo, if, uh, if Osmosis is doing this, I'm sure that Astroport will be doing it. And I think it's really important that uh, Backbone Labs and Bone Luna uh, really get its market share on Terra before thinking about spreading its wings anywhere else. I don't see Bone Luna actually going to another chain for the foreseeable few months, to be honest. I think it's really important that we stay here, that we secure here, and then from that, we can then think about going somewhere else. Oh, interesting. Uh, I would say, like, just kind of stepping into your shoes and looking from your perspective, I would say a very good strategic move would be for you to like, get Bone Luna over onto Osmosis and maybe pair it with USDC. And then, um, like, because there's like really no considerable Luna liquidity pools on osmosis and if you were to put bone luna over there paired with usdc or osmo i guess that would make more sense and you were to seed it properly to give it like fifty thousand of liquidity or something then like bone luna would become the de facto luna that you would buy and sell on osmosis all right and game that... over. that's checking <laughs> we're gonna do that it was the i'm learning stuff every day right like i'm not even gonna lie that's what i love about this like it takes one thing can be like okay we gotta pivot <laughs> product placement yeah, yeah, it's a pretty good idea. And like, if you were to do that, and like you, because like I said, there are liquidity pools there with Luna on Osmosis, but they're completely negligible and insignificant. But if you just like scrounge together fifty thousand or a hundred thousand dollars to seed it properly, and you could actually use it, then anybody on Osmosis who had an inkling to get exposure to Luna would do so through your LSD, and that's not a bad idea. So I have a question now. Back to Ray, is there any way? Because look, once again, we're back to funds, right? And one of the things that I'm trying to do is with this NFT mint, would we be able to create a vault that would do what John Galt just said with that uh, self-bonded money from projects that are coming in? So the long and the short of it is yes. Um, we're building a pseudo vault so that you can participate on Terra. And then our the Terra front-facing pseudo vault actually interacts with the contract on another chain like osmosis because ibc is asynchronous it's not like you you can't until we have atomic commits you can't really rely on moving funds to any sort of commitment on another chain um so yeah yeah it's it's totally possible you could keep people all on terra and then have them interact with a secondary vault that basically mirrors their positions on the primary vault on terra across to uh, osmosis all right well from what i just learned from that is i think that's way more work so we need to just do the vault on terra and then i'm going to find that fifty thousand in liquidity to slap on osmosis somewhere i mean maybe there's a way to use the yfd funding mechanism to like bootstrap that initial liquidity with the community i don't know just throwing it out there but there might be a way to even do that. Um, I, I think there's, you have the tools available. It's just all in how we compose it and make it happen for sure. And John, would love to have your big brain as a visitor at the very least in our Discord um, as we kind of work through some of these um, these options. Um, seems like you've got some really awesome 
awesome thoughts there and you know are definitely you know, a lot of you've put the thousand hours when it comes to liquid staking which is much more than i can say for myself personally not not the rest of the yft community but and in general would love to hear more about what strides working on yeah they're definitely leading the leading the herd right now i'm not gonna lie yeah, absolutely. Uh, Stride is in a fantastic uh, position, and um, it's really exciting working for Stride. And um, like, I was really blown away last week with the Alliance news because that was very, very good for Stride. Because like, Doe specifically talked about liquid staked um, Adam and Osmo, and the only liquid staking provider that currently provides those in the Cosmos is Stride. Yeah. yeah. I was at oh, Cosmoverse, and I was going to say, we talked to the Stride people about incorporating what we're doing as a way to provide extra utility for liquid staking uh, tokens. Um, you mean like the Y Foundry stuff? You work for Y Foundry, right, Ray? Yep. Oh, um, yeah, like a vault, a liquid staking vault. Yeah, that'd be good. Uh, once we get to Terra, uh, we'll see. We'll see when that happens. Well, we may meet you somewhere on another chain other than Terra, but. Oh, okay. Well, um, we're on osmosis. So anytime you want to visit, you can drop on by. Now, now was that statement um, really speaking to the matters of uh, like capturing that for Adam and osmosis? Because I remember uh, once upon a time, there was a, you know, there was a protocol called uh, Persistence that was rolling out B Atom for Anchor Protocol back in uh, you know, back before the crash. I kind of called them out. I think a calendar year from now, um, or yeah, that I'm not sure if they're still in the game. And now that uh, and now Stride is the you know the only standing uh, liquid staking provider for uh, for Atom. Is am, am I wrong in thinking that? Uh, oh, Persistence is still very much in the game. Uh, actually, okay. yeah, they're going to be relaunching on, uh, what day is it today? Because they're going to be relaunching on November 8th, as I believe. So, yeah, back then, the funny thing about it was Persistence, they would take your Atom and they would stake it on the Cosmos Hub, but then they would issue you a liquid stake derivative on Ethereum, and that was B Atom, and that was the LSD that appeared on Anchor. So it was like kind of funny, all these steps, like the atom itself is actually on Cosmos Hub. The LSD was actually issued on Ethereum, and then it found its way back to the Cosmos and on Terra uh, for the Anchor integration. And that was very confusing. Uh, Stride does it in a much simpler way. Obviously, it's just in the Cosmos. Um, but Persistence is going to be relaunching on November 8th, I believe, and they're going to pretty much have the same architecture as Stride, where you just use interchain accounts uh, in the Cosmos. I mean, it's a better model. Let's just be honest. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. They kind of like had like a hacky solution, but that's because it was such a long time ago, and there really wasn't that much DeFi in the Cosmos at all. But yeah, there'll be a whole bunch of um, competitive, like liquid staking is very, very fascinating. and it's really blowing up in the cosmos right now. And that's one of the reasons I decided to join Stride, just because it's such uh, an, in, an interesting field within the cosmos. Because you've got Stride, you've got Quicksilver, you've got Supernova, you've got Persistence, you've got Lido. And those are the, uh, 
and, and then there's other ones like there's um, steak easy there's steak and then there's all the little ones on uh, terra there's just liquid staking going on everywhere and it's only getting started i call it the liquid staking revolution yeah i think there's just such Cheers power in the concepts the like uh you know the concept of liquid staking and protocol owned liquidity even though that there's a lot of instances of those that have you know propped up by terrible inflation and stuff so i'm really now that a lot of that's being shaken out and it's essentially like let's take the best of some of these concepts and build it the right way um i, I think it's going to be it'll land on something really powerful for sure uh, yeah yeah definitely yeah we'll see how it shakes out so um how about um what's the process going to be like this is just an open question i don't know i'm sure nobody really knows the exact answer but what's the process going to be for listing uh an lsd for use by the uh, alliance module i'm sure you've been thinking about that um jg with um bone luna you'd want to get that approved okay so you mean listing where where listing i'm sorry oh sorry, sorry. For, for the the alliance module you know, like this whole alliance idea, like you're going to oh, be able to mean, stake yeah, the, and the, the liquidity alliance module. So uh, I'm going to be honest, we I haven't even I haven't even had the time to look into that yet. We are so focused on uh, the Astro Forum and just trying to get our pools up. Like we're just not there yet. <laughs> I will be. Give me a week. Yeah, well, it's all just based on Doe's post and like a single paragraph. So no docs have been released or anything, but uh, just speculation. Believe like we've got what, what do i think i yeah, really I mean, obviously uh, i really i don't know um uh hopefully there are competing ones like hopefully if you had an alliance chain and it allowed you to stake liquid staked luna on that chain uh hopefully you'd be able to use one of a number of liquid staking providers not just like have a monopoly but um well uh, I yeah, guess I, I don't think a monopoly would fly. I think people would tear that down pretty quickly. Yeah. And, um, you know, this is actually very reminiscent of the idea that they had for Anchor. Like you guys might remember right before the crash, they had this idea to add value to the Anchor token where like Anchor would have several different liquid stake derivatives of Atom and then like liquid staking providers would have to buy Anchor token to vote for which liquid staking derivative was used and it's like proportional voting. Do you guys remember that idea? So we're going to bribe wars? Yeah, yeah, like you remember that idea right before the crash? I do, it made Anchor pump to like to like $4 for a minute. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm not sure it was that particular idea, but it was like an idea just a couple of weeks before the crash. But uh, that's just like, uh, an example of the way that TFL has already been thinking a lot about liquid stake derivatives. Like they were going to use a multiplicity of liquid stake derivatives in that instance to add value to the anchor token. And um, so, yeah, I, I think in this case as well, like the alliance staking concept, they'll definitely be using several liquid staking uh, derivatives from several different providers. And I, I guess the process would be just the particular alliance chain would vote for which providers they wanted to use. So maybe, I don't know, if it were like a chain that needed liquid staked uh, Luna to be staked on that chain to earn part of the naked the, the native token staking rewards, maybe they pick like Luna X, uh, C Luna by Prism, 
And I don't know, maybe Bone Luna as well. Man, from your lips to God's ears. <laughs> Does anybody know what the fee that Stater has is, by the way? Like, we're talking about how Bone Luna has a 10% fee, although, like, that's all given back and it's used Whatever very it is, it's too much. Oh, yeah, is that just because you don't like Stater? I, I hate Stater. I do Sorry. <laughs> That's my personal opinion. Yeah, I feel I, like I, they did us dirty. They they got all that money and then they built everywhere but here, and they just recycled the same crap. It's really frustrating. Yeah, well, you know, I think Doe did uh, participate in one of the Stater rounds, or either it was TFL that participated in the Stater round. So bit of an overlap there and i think doe's funded the stater validator on terra too as well oh you mean like north point or north star north star yeah yeah i think he keeps them in the active set so doe definitely has uh, an interest there for sure but that's not really a bad thing like if doe has an interest there then he's going to make sure that like stater is a good liquid staking provider and it has loads of security because that's what it's all going to come down to, security. Well, we need Doe to come back on board with B Luna and shake the dead weight. Yeah, maybe you should shoot him a message or something. Get him involved somehow. Man, I've been trying to get him to wear a Skeleton Punk PFP for like three and a half months. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, thinking of like Doe's interests, like Doe's slash TFL's interests, they've got an interest in... A stater, like I've been saying, and they also do have an interest in um, Prism because uh, they were one of the parties that backed Prism back before the crash. It was um, Jump, Hashed, and TFL. Those were the investors in Prism. So, like, I feel like if there were an alliance chain, then it would probably approve uh, Luna X, Luna C. Yeah, maybe Stake as well, because Stake is. Like like the original stake, not some of the forks of stake. Like all hail been... Larry. Sorry, all hail Larry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. People love Larry, and maybe maybe if if uh, people can like um, if people can approve stake, like maybe they'll draw Larry back into the Terra ecosystem because he's left. Well, we know we use stakes uh, contracts and uh, PFC is doing it with us and he's the one who's doing liquid stake, right? Since Larry left and maybe, maybe he will come back. Maybe we can convince him. We've got to get interesting and relevant again. You know, we got to start having activities and things to do and people start have to start earning money. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Since we're name dropping, um, it was PFC, the, uh, the validator that I was asking about the, uh, the, the smart contract risk between, you know, or the differences of the risk between, you know, bridge tokens and uh, staking derivative tokens, you know, and I thought it was kind of funny that you, uh, that you touched on how, you know, B Adam, you know, was a, uh, supposed to be a staking derivative that turned into like a bridge token, you know, along the way. And it's like, where does a, you know, like how far are we kicking the can? Oh yeah. So it was both. It had both those kinds of risk. But um, yeah, that's that's a really interesting comparison, and that's something that I've been thinking about myself a lot lately as well. Uh, what was PFC saying about the relative risk of those two? 
Uh, well, he was uh, he was leaning more in favor of the um, you know of the staking derivative and and less the uh, you know the the wrap token and in drawing on the importance of the underlying asset and the and effectively, I mean, because the, the the conversation's still in his Discord, but um, it, it was rather brief. Um, it, but he was kind of touching on the matters that. You kind of uh, it's more of the access to the, you know, to, to the liquidity under the uh, under the contract. You know, there's some protection when it's, you know, when that underlying asset is is staked to the validator along the way. Whereas, you know, um, like an LP token, you know, or, or a wrap bridge token, you're there is the immediate uh, liquidity drain risk that you have. That's at least you know what I gathered from it. I still wanted to kind of like, you know, poke and prod because. You know, I'm getting into the, you know, I'm getting into smart contracts myself, especially with uh, sticking derivatives and kind of wanted to see what, you know, what the fundamental risk that, you know, some of the developers getting into it, you know, starting off with should be trying to prepare against before, you know, in, a, in, a, in like a measure three times cut once uh, initiative. Yeah, nice. that's really it. Oh, sorry. No, I was just, uh, we got crypto sense here. Wanted to know, um, you got a question you want to? Yeah, I just kind of want to um, hear your guys' thought on this and like pull the conversation back a little bit to uh, Doe's recent proposal about the Terra, Terra um, was it the Terra Chain Alliance? So how I understand it of how it currently works is that you, you take your liquid stake, you stake it on a consumer chain that is allocating a portion of their, their rewards <clears throat> to this, this um, alliance program. Um, and essentially, let's use Luna as an example. They would basically get Luna's added security on it, um, and the, the yields would essentially be swapped, right? So the, the Luna that would normally accrue to the users who is on using liquid staking would now go to the other change. I, I don't really see why it's done this way. Um, I personally feel that it makes more sense for the the person that is staking their LSD to retain their own rewards, and the consumer chain, instead of having the yield swapped, just puts up a smaller allocation, and it can be really small. It can be one percent, two percent, three percent, and that would just be an added bonus. So if you, another way I could you could word it, I suppose, is that the consumer chain that is looking to get more security will pay a small tribute. And that, in, in a sense, would just be a very clear um, new rev revenue stream for Luna. Another thing that I would say to that is that as a user, that um, you would be in highly incentivized to take your liquid stake and stake on another consumer chain because regardless of the price volatility, you would come out on top because that that would be a, a bonus on top of what you would already get from staking your Luna. Um, I, I think that number one that would have like nearly a hundred percent participation rate. Um, so I think that's one thing. And then, I mean, I don't want to get too far, but there's other reasons why I think that would make more sense than having the yield swap. But I would like to hear your guys' thought on that as well. Uh, yeah, well, I, I guess I'll go ahead. Um, that was a, a really good observation. Um, that definitely matches the way I understand it. And I think you explained it very well. It's essentially just swapping the yield. 
Um, so it may come off as kind of pointless. Um, but the way I look at it is um, like, first of all, there's the optics, like you've got cross pollination and it, it, it's kind of interesting. Like the one token receives their staking rewards in the other token, um, which is like interesting cross pollination. And from a psychological perspective, people might just find that more interesting. Um, but then there's the economic thing where like try and wrap your head around this. Like if you have, um, say, Juno wanted to be an alliance chain, so they installed the alliance module and then you could liquid stake or sorry, you could stake um, an LSD of Luna on Juno. Now, uh, so that's the situation. And then the the um, yield for um, your Luna X on Juno, you'd be getting paid out in Juno, but in dollar terms, it would be the same as though you were getting paid out in Luna because the market would compress it to the same um, yield as, as Luna X is giving up. Now, what happens is if the price of Juno plunges relative to luna the juno staking yield is going to go up right because it's still getting the same amount of luna um so basically the juno staking yield would go up whereas the luna x staking yield would go down now you might say the market would automatically adjust so people would automatically unstake luna x but i don't think that would happen i think the luna x staked would be a little bit sticky so it would stay there for at least a few days. So like the dynamic here is Juno really can't fall that far relative to Luna because it's getting Luna staking rewards. And if it falls too low, the staking APR would go up really high. Like you see the dynamic there? Uh, I think it's pretty interesting. And I think it would support the price of the smaller token. Yeah, I mean, I see it almost as a way to DCA into... Um into something that you're interested in too and is there any potential for like we've talked about almost like a cosmos etf sort of thing that you're building off of multiple liquid staking tokens i mean getting even more out there but so i just have to say larry's here the godfather of all liquid staking can we just take a moment to acknowledge uh larry's presence we're not worthy we're not worthy. <laughs> yeah, I think that's certainly true that there will be some stickiness because to unstake, first of all, it would take, you know, there's a the unsticking time period that probably you're locked up in. Um, but one, one thing I would also add to this is that this yield swapping thing, a, a potential issue, is that I think it complicates it a little more that retail investors would have a um, little more difficult time of understanding. And secondly, yeah. if you think about this, and we're not just thinking about the next year, but you're extrapolating this this model further, there will come to a point where the market becomes more efficient. And this, um, there will be players that essentially come on and arbitrage this this reward. Now, they're probably not going to unstake and you know re redelegate and stuff like that over, a, let's say, a one percent or half percent difference, because but they will they will have their own models and price it in in a way that once the differentiating like th this much gets um gap be in between then they'll start doing that right so then but then the retail investors generally won't play in that game so they'll first of all they'll also be in a disadvantage 
the only real advantage that I've I see with the the yield swap is kind of what you touched upon with the cross pollination. But you know, um, there's also the other potential. Um, it I don't I don't know if I will call it um, an issue, but it's it's think about it this way, right? What's as a lunar Luna um, liquid staking derivative like user, right? Participant. Um, some someone like Stater, for example, they could easily implement a feature that would allow the reward part to be just automatically sold and purchase another token on my behalf. And I could choose. They don't even have to be an alliance member, right? They, they could just plug it into like Astroport or whatever. And it would have the same effect. It would be it would be the same for me. You know, if they could do it, I could split the reward and purchase a little here, a little there, multiple coins either. So I feel like this isn't that big of a, a deal. It's something that can also be replicated um, from the user's perspective on the, the app, just the added feature on the app. Do you kind of get what right, I'm saying? Definitely. I hope I'm explaining this correctly. It's kind of a difficult concept to kind of just explain because there's so many terminologies and stuff like that. Oh, no, I totally get it. Uh, like your explanation is very clear uh, for me and uh, your understanding of the Alliance idea is the same as my understanding. And I really like the framework you're using of how it's just a yield swap. Um, yeah, like I get how you're saying like the cross-pollination thing is kind of interesting, but you could replicate that in a much simpler way just with like, uh, an added functionality on top of stater or something. Yeah. But I'd like to go back to the back to the economic idea. Like you talk about how it could be efficiently arbed. Like it, there would be an equal an equilibrium, right? So like to go back to my example, like if you had Juno that was an alliance chain, you would take your Luna X, you would stake that on Juno, mm -hmm. and the Luna X yield, which is getting paid out in Juno, would have an equal equilibrium that it always returns to, which is the same in dollar terms as it would be getting paid in in Luna, right? It's like an exact, like pretty close to an exact an, an exact swap of yield. But like, how would you efficiently arb that if there's say a 21 day unbonding period, or on Juno, on Juno it's actually a 28 day unbonding period. Right. Um, have you given any thought to that? Like, if if it varied from equilibrium by five percent, or even by ten percent. So like say, like the, the Luna X yield in Juno dropped 10% below the Luna X yield in Luna that it's giving up. And then the Juno yield, which is like part of it's coming in Luna, that part is like up 10% more than the Juno yield that they're giving away. Like even if it were 10%, would an arbitrar actually click the unbond button and wait 28 days. Like, what do you think that would actually look like? I, I don't think people would do that, right? Because it's not going to be, um, the arbitrage is going to have some flexibility there because it's of the, like you said, the, the price is always moving and there's an unstaking bonding period. So when you're unbonding during that period, you have a, essentially you're taking a, a sunk loss, a sunk cost to it, right? Because you're you're doing the unbonding period, whatever it's 21 days, 20, 28 days, you're not making any money on that. So you got to take that into account. But there is that, um, I don't know what the gap would be and that would depend on a lot of different variables, right? 
the time that it takes to unstake and things like that. So it's not going to be a completely efficient market where the when there's like a 1%, 2% discrepancy or even potentially even 5% discrepancy that it would incentivize action. But it, there will be um, a mechanics that kind of keeps that in check. Like, for example, if, if you're making more by like the price of Juno drops, for example, and then now there's a discrepancy, then you'll have new people that are thinking about um, delegating their SD, S, S, no, LSDs there. They decide not to, you know what I mean? And the balance will shift. So it wouldn't be immediate, but it would be gradual, I guess you could say. Definitely, it right. would be gradual, but like it wouldn't happen right away. So in the short term, like even even like over a one week period or a two week period, like the yeah. ARB process would not work over a one or two week period. So therefore, like if the price of Juno diverged from Luna, like in the downward direction, then there would be a one or a two week period where the Juno yield would go up because part of it's coming in Luna. And during that one or two week period, that Luna yield that it's getting would support the Juno price and keep it from going too low. Right. And like, I think this dynamic going on here and this dynamic also is like it, it, this dynamic is caused because of the unbonding period, but also the general stickiness mm -hmm. of uh, staked assets. I think this is like the, the heart of the Alliance idea and like this is how this is why it's done this way and not like the Luna X token retains its Luna yield and then the Juno retains its Juno yield. Well, what I guess um let me let me just think about what you just said there. I I, I understand what you're saying and I I ag agree with it the of the mechanics of it. Um but I guess my question here is is it a good thing to have the prices of two separate um chains in a way share that risk and are interlocked you know what i mean yeah yeah is I that a good thing what you mean because because like juno juno can't go down that fast and and like it can't go down a significant amount over a short period a short period of time as opposed to luna like it does kind of lock the prices to a degree and again it depends on like how how much like liquid staking is actually going on, like you could use 5% yeah. or 10%. But if it were 50%, like if there were a brand new chain and 50% of the native token staking rewards went to Luna X, then you can bet that that native token would be pretty synced up with the price of Luna. Yeah. And um, I think that would be a good thing because the whole idea here is to have alliances. I mean, like, these are not for like random chains, yeah, like Juno and Axelar. Juno doesn't have much to do with Axelar, so like there's no basis for an alliance. But if you had several chains that were like really closely working together, then I think it would probably be a good idea for the 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 price of one token to support the price of another token in this alliance. And I think that's the whole idea. I mean, I think it's beneficial, certainly, for the chain that is not performing well, right? Because its its price would have, like, the volatility would have dragged it down lower, but it's being supported by another chain. But the the chain that's doing doing better, obviously, they're taking the hit on that. So I well, think it's kind of you're getting to that situ that conversation of like mm, bilateral agreements or you know like um, you get what I'm saying, right? 
because it's kind of like it's good it's going to be good for one party but not good for another party because they're and and the thing with this my understanding you can tell me because i'm i'm not really technical i kind of have a finance background so i don't really know in terms of the security aspects of how exactly it works but my impression right now is that it's sort of a one-way street where luna is providing security to for example if this example of luna and juno then luna will be providing security to juno and Luna's not going to get any benefits from a security perspective from this um, alliance. Is that is that correct? It's not yes. it's not mesh Sorry. security, right? Because mesh security, it's kind of like that they both um, bolster each other's uh, security. But it it seems to me that this interchain alliance format that's being proposed by Doe is more the bigger chain is providing some of its security to the smaller chain, but it doesn't go the other way. Yeah, it's definitely by um, unidirectional. It just goes one it way. It just goes one way. Okay. And, okay. Yeah. And the security, um, I've done the calculations. The security is roughly the same amount of the um, native token that's being diverted. So if Juno diverts 20% of its native staking rewards, mm -hmm then it's going to get roughly a 20% security boost, mm -hmm. economic security. Mm -hmm. And um, to your other question about what's in it for the bigger, uh, like the bigger token, yeah. like in this example, like we're using Juno and Terra, uh, what's in it for Luna is that I think the equilibrium price that we were talking about would actually favor uh, Luna X. So like, I think the market would just have the equilibrium so that Juno is giving up, say, $10,000 worth of staking rewards per day, and they would be getting back from staked Luna X, maybe n only nine or $8,000 worth of Luna. And I feel like the market would arrive at that equilibrium just because Juno is a smaller chain and the token Juno is more volatile. And you could easily get into a situation where it kind of does fall, so, like, the market would like to have a little buffer. You know what I'm saying? There? Yeah, 100%. I do think so, that in practicality, that will happen. I think, yeah, I think there would be some tribute going on. Yeah. In my, in my predictions, like, I think there would be some tribute going on from the smaller token to the bigger token. Yeah. So, the, the staking yields for the smaller token would actually go down a little bit. Um, that's the way I see it playing out. And that's like the big advantage for the bigger token. Like you can, you can take your Luna X and stake it on Juno and you'll be making more in Juno than you would have been making in Luna in dollar terms. But the cost is the price of Juno could fall relative to Luna. And then you would be making less hmm. in dollar terms than you would have been. You see? Yeah. I, I and like, I think that's the deal. I think that's the deal going on. And then like, depending on, sentiment and like how the market's feeling that is going to determine where the equilibrium point is that the market's going to return to mm -hmm. i do agree with that i do think that um in practicality um that the smaller chain would i mean you would get a slightly higher yield i mean obviously on average because we talk about price volatility moving on a day-to-day -day basis and the unbonding period and stuff like that but on on par i think that would be how I envision it playing out as well. My the only thing I guess I'm saying this is I guess this is not a big difference, but it's just 
it just makes more sense to me that instead of having the yield swap, that let's say instead of Juno allocating 20% of their allocation to, to this alliance program, they just allocate 2%. And this would just be a bonus on top of that. So they would, you would get cross pollination on, on one side. So it's almost like an, in a, if you think about it, the tribute, it's like an airdrop to, to Luna holders. And I think that's very clear. Um, from a revenue stream perspective. And then if you had enough Alliance chains that plug into Luna, right, for, for this, this security, you, you would might end up in a situation where Luna does not even have to be inflationary because this is just a straight up revenue stream. You get what I'm saying? So different chains, depending on how much security they want, they can put up 1% of their reward, 2%, 3%. And they're essentially competing for this pie of um, LSD that Luna is trying to stake to them, right? So the more it's market driven, um, and you because it's just a very clear bonus on top of it, on top of what you would have already got. It takes that risk aspect of that price volatility out, and you would have a hundred percent participation from users. Like I would hundred percent like stake my um do liquid staking and then take that liquid staking and either stake it on juno if they're alliance member or some other smaller chain you know if they're offering a better better yield and i like the 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 program or i mean i like the project then i'll do that i feel like just making that small alteration where you you take that risk out of the price volatility and also that it's going to be your guaranteed bonus and that you're not going to be taking the, the downside that um it's not only simpler but it increases the participation rate so i i just feel that if if it was up if it was me i would make that small alteration but everything else in his proposal i do like the idea in general and i yeah by and large agree with what you said yeah that's a really good idea and yeah, I think is well, really well thought through, and I think that would be appropriate, maybe for some chains. Um, yeah, it's like that's a good idea. But I, I would just say, like the benefits that you would be foregoing are um, number one, uh, you'd be the weaker token would not receive the price support from the stronger token, like with the economic dynamic we were talking about. Yeah, and I think the the smaller token would really like that price support because if the price falls then the apr goes up at least in the short term and then secondly there's the cross-pollination thing and you were saying like stater could do that more easily but what we're talking about here is like unsolicited cross-pollination you know like every single person staking juno and receiving staking rewards is going to get luna like whether or not they ask for it every single person is going to get luna so you are spreading luna to a lot of people and it's like an airdrop and yeah airdrops can be inefficient because people will just dump it but for some people like they do some research they discover the token and they like it and imagine if there were five chains in the cosmos that were alliance chains where every single person staking the native token on those five chains received some kind of luna and like spreading luna around just making sure that more people interact with it and it, it's just it gets more attention and engagement. And I think that's part of the idea. That's a good point. I suppose you could also do that with, um, um, I mean, I guess in, in that proposal, if you guys read it, I don't know if anyone's read it, but Doe did propose to take some of the community funds as an incentive program to be 
um, to incentivize other chains to kind of plug into Luna, right? And I, that, I think that kind of builds on what you said. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the trump card right there. Like uh, Alliance is going to be open source software. Like everything that TFL does is open source. So like Juno and Osmosis could take Alliance and they could just use it themselves even without Terra. Yeah. But what Terra can do is Terra has that giant community pool. It's like 300 million Luna. And Feathers. Oh, oh yeah, like and, and the other feather, like the other things, yeah, um, yeah. Subsidies are, are just going to make this plan even more amazing, I think, and like it's going to be irresistible. Like depending on how much subsidies you use, like you can really imagine how it would be very hard for any chain to say no because with the subsidies, you're essentially using the Terra community pool to subsidize the security of other chains, and like if you did that in a moderately sustainable way like if the community fund were to put down a year's worth of subsidies up front because like you can't play around with security it's pretty important but if you were to put down a year's worth of subsidies then um like i see a lot of chains going for this potentially what happens do you think it, once the subsidy end, ends is it sticky well like, does it have long you know uh, in DeFi, that's not really a question you ask because you look at like so so many things are, are just about subsidies. Like Osmosis, if you ask that question to Osmosis, they would say, I don't know. No, they would say, we're going to capture MEV. But if you do the back of the napkin calculations, MEV is not going to replace inflationary incentives. Yeah, they're probably going to have to remove the cap on Osmo. But unfortunately, mm -hmm. with Terra, like it's basically unlimited incentives because we've got 300 million Luna in the community pool. And at current prices, that's like $700 million worth at current prices. And like the prices will probably go up in a bull market. So I wouldn't worry about subsidies running out. I, I certainly wouldn't worry about that at this point. Okay, cool. Yeah. Like, like that's the whole thing, like before the crash and everything, like, you know, Anchor was subsidized and everybody said like the subsidies will last four years. That's long enough. In four years, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. Yeah. And I feel like you could say the same thing here. Mm -hmm. I'm just, you but, know, I, I tell you guys what my personal opinion is with regards to L1s. L1s eventually long term, they either need to have um, a revenue stream to that can pay the validators that's not inflationary or the token itself needs to somehow become seen as a store of value. So become deflationary or, or somewhat. Otherwise, I I think you, you'll run into some problems because it's like um, the whole L1 space, it's almost like farming. It's how I put it. It's very necessary. It provides a lot of value, but it cannot capture value. So it's a race to the bottom. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, I think that's the power of the of the cosmos and the app chains is like every chain ideally would be adding some sort of value in their own way um, and getting actual revenue and value there as opposed to, you know, j just uh, what we're talking about. Mm. I mean, that's one thing that was so great about the <laughs> Luna Classic or the UST, right? Is it, it didn't really have to depend on inflationary um, revenue to pay the validators. 
It kind of did, though, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, how, how so? <laughs> how so? Yeah. Like the uh, the staking yield was about eight percent, right? Um, at, you mean like during near the, the time of the crash? Something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, I would crash. say before, like around six, yeah, six point something it, to eight or. Yeah, but a very small amount of that was actually coming from transaction fees. Most of that was Oracle rewards from the big um, Luna burn that TFL orchestrated in November of 2021. Like they did a very orchestrated burn in November of 2021 to mint. Oh, yeah, I remember what it was. There was a lot of Luna in the community pool. And it wasn't actually TFL, it was the community. The community decided to burn their Luna to yeah, make yeah. UST. But they did it in a way that exceeded the caps. So it put a lot of of Luna into the um into the Oracle pool, you know? So like that's where most of the staking yield was coming from. It was essentially inflationary. But uh, anyway, but, the, yeah. it was a novel take. Because, anyway, like all but the, the token was itself was novel. wasn't like it wasn't inflationary into perpetuity, right? Because it was kind of um, you're kind of betting on the growth of UST. Now, I mean, obviously, we can get on the talk about the whole subsidized, like Anchor House was like heavily subsidized and that you know made the growth inorganic or whatnot. But um, in in theory, as long as UST was growing, that uh, the supply of Luna compress this over time right and even if there wasn't um yeah anyways i think we all understand that so uh, yeah but you're you're that, saying you're saying that the like. the staking rewards majority of that staking rewards came from that community berm after like columbus five or something like that was it yeah yeah it did so so how how uh, many purport how much um do you know the percentage wise was attributed to the tax rate, um, transaction fees, and the senior um, swap mechanism? Uh, well, yeah, that's true, because there was a lot of Luna being burned even after that big burn in November. But like most of, most of the funds in the Oracle pool, which is where staking rewards were paid out from, came from that big burn in November. So like all I'm saying, yeah. I, I don't really have a point or anything. I'm just reminding people that yeah, Terra before the crash, they were playing a different game. Like uh, on the face of it, it wasn't inflationary tokenomics, but there were a lot of shenanigans going on. <laughs> gotcha. And we're not even talking about DGen box and all that. Yeah, th there was that going on as well. <laughs> yeah, but but still, it, it it was definitely a good try, and. Yeah. Um, Okay. I definitely applaud TFL, and I'm very glad that I participated in it because, like, it really was a good try. And yeah. They were almost at escape velocity. Yeah, I mean, I lost a lot of money. We were I lost so close mostly to everything, the world. but uh, but I, I mean, I, I don't by no means blame Dill or anything. I feel like it was a group effort and a, a group fail. Like you tried together, you failed together, kind of thing. So, I mean, sad, but you know, that definitely don't blame other people for the losses. Um, yeah, I mean, DJ Box itself was, it's like a problem. That was one of my main worries, but it's kind of outside of the Terra's control in, in, in some ways. I would say the biggest problem, a mistake, oversight rather, was that there was no capital controls on Anchor. 
And when you look back, that's almost such an obvious thing because every bank, every everything that gives a loan, they have some form of capital controls, whether they have higher rates for different lockup periods or whatnot. I mean, even if they just locked up your anchor for seven days or 14 days once, you know, or, or just uh, put a limit on the withdrawal, I, I think you could probably way to, would have saved this because you get an average duration of the funds being able to leave. But if everybody could pull out at one day, you're essentially just, it's just a flash crash. That's what's happened. Yeah, uh, it was about panic for sure. Uh, there are a lot of things they could have done differently, but uh, it was a good try anyway. Like Doe's idea was just like to speed run it basically. Like I think he said a hundred billion or bust and he was just trying to mm -hmm. race it, race there because like the idea was to get to to speedily get too big to fail before you fail. Yeah. Well, you know, I am of the belief that uh, we need to try again uh, just because the plane didn't fly right the first time and we crashed doesn't mean we stopped trying to fly. Otherwise, we'd be walking everywhere. We were literally on a precipice of changing the financial system. And for me, I'm not trying to go backwards. I was spending UST in the real world with a debit card and and I saw that freedom. And uh, so for me, I want to continue to fight for it and to establish that market. I agree with you. That's where I'm at too. So that's how I feel about it. Yeah, but this time, this time the decentralized economy comes first, not the decentralized money. You, you, you know case, what? That's interesting. This is something I thought about. I don't know if there's loopholes in this or whatever, but it's just been a thought of mine that you could have Luna, uh, Lunk right? I guess that's how we call it now. Lunk, have the USD and the USD could flow into, <laughs> into Luna, but it's like the, the ecosystem token or the L1 token is not really tied to it. So if USD fails, it doesn't implode the ecosystem. Funny. That'd be pretty funny if that worked out. Or, or you know, another thing that I think that if, if we, we, you tried again with the, um, algorithmic stablecoin is that there should be a threshold where if USD falls about to, to this point that um, the currency just resets. So you either take the remaining USD and you convert into Luna um, and it just resets. Cause just think about emergence, emerging currencies, right? What happens when their currency hyperinflates away? They just do a hard reset. It's just like the, the money that's old, the debt, it just wiped and we just start again from scratch, right? It, but Luna doesn't have that. So just like the whole thing just implodes and you, we actually lose a lot of value. It's not just the, the community and stuff, but if you think about it, if there was enough willpower and people could have agreed to say, hey, let's turn the USD into an IOU or let's turn the USD and repeg it to 10, 10, 10 cents or something. So that's, or the current market price. So if you had like $10 in USD, it becomes $1 now and then everything just starts working because all the protocols could just run very smoothly. You know, they could still just use UST, but now what ended up happening when you fork away, all these projects are running to different ecosystems, right? Like Juno and they had to rebuild. It's a huge loss of uh, human capital and effort. Um, but the reason is just we, no one could agree how to divide the pie. But I think that if you even just issue like an IOU um, for the UST holders and just just in, in a sense, they take a haircut. Everybody right now would be better off. The people that hold UST mm -hmm. would be better off. The Luna holders would definitely be better off and whatnot. But yeah, well, that's, what, that's was the, what was the runway mechanism? 
for USC. You and uh, Lunk. It was the burn thing went out of control. Like once it reached a critical mass, it just kept spitting out UST. Yeah, because what essentially happens is you think about it, right? The the mechanism like Luna is um, Luna. It's not. It doesn't technically back UST, but it is. If you think about like an order book, how, that's how I think about it, right? It is the it is the order book that is is swap swapping it, right? They, on the buy side and the, the sell side to keep that peg at one. But what happens is if the price of Luna drops too low at some point, um, you're essentially getting inflated or diluted. Okay, you're getting diluted. And if Luna is, it drops too low below the fundamental value, then all the holders are getting their value diluted really quickly and essentially vaporize. And once you reach that stage, even for a moment, then you spit and you just keep going to that, that so-called death, death file, death spiral, right? Yeah, well, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I haven't thought about um, it in detail for a number of months now. Um, but yeah, those uh, dynamics were a lot of fun. And um, I think that one particular day, like the ultimate death spiral day, it was a Thursday. That was pretty fun when like, trillions and trillions of lunk were printed on one single day. Yeah. Like a, a fun fact that I keep telling people, like you take the supply of lunk, it's like 6.5 trillion, 95% was minted on a single day. And yeah. that was the final day before they deactivated mint burn. It's almost as if, like Tesla, if they issued new shares at $1, that's what happened. Then all the existing holders just get vaporized, right? Because the stock price or whatever, normally if we're talking about trying to use the stock price as an analogy, the stock price can drop, but because there's no, um, they're not issuing new shares at that really low price, existing holders that still believe in a company and think it's undervalued can just hold until that value comes back. So, but then, Luna didn't have that mechanism. So when the price drops too low, it'll just, it's almost just like issuing shares at a undervalued price. And that's just destroying values for existing holders. So existing holders stop buying and then the price drops even lower and just extrapolates that problem. Yeah, because the, the market, I mean, it was pumping or it was promoting like Luna to the moon. Right, where realistically Luna should have been one to one with UST. Right, I wouldn't say it's one to one because it's not really collateral. But um, yeah, you do that uh, dynamics of demand for Luna and demand for UST. There's a relationship that you need to keep in mind there. I don't know if there's a hard set rule that it's like one to one because the the whole like market cap situation. It's very um, you know how market caps work, right? Like um. Yeah, it shouldn't have been one to one, but it should have been like you, you can't promote this thing to be like Luna to one thousand because it, you need Luna to back the the assets being printed. You basically need to have existing demands to absorb UST sell pressure whenever it's it's there. That's that's what needs to happen, right? But like I said, I do really compare it to like a flash crash because everyone pulling out at once. Like for example. I actually was surprised of how well Luna absorbed 
the USC that was fleeing the system because you had like something what, like 14 billion being pulled out of Anchor within a few days. If you just spread that out to instead of like a few days or a week into like two, three weeks, I think there was a chance that Luna could have just held that and just absorbed it. But just imagine if you wanted to pull out 10 billion within one hour, right? There may be buyers that were willing to buy on that way down, but they didn't get a chance to see it. They didn't get time to put their money into it. So it just collapsed the price. That's the definition of a flash crash, right? When, or a fat finger. When someone presses a fat finger, you have in the stock market, the price drops like 10% or 20% within a few, sec- few seconds or a couple minutes. And then an hour later, it comes back. But it's because it clears the order book when there's a, there's a huge sale and the, there's not enough buyers at that moment. And I think that's what happened with Anchor. Too many people were pulling out in a sh- too short period of time. But if you spread it out, then you have a much better chance of absorbing that that sell pressure at a better price. But there was no capital controls at Anchor. You could just move in and out freely. Yeah, and you got the hysteria factor on top of it too. Yeah, and then you have that, that noise and snowballs, and then yeah. yeah, I mean that's the whole like the problem is you have it's like a blessing and a curse. You know, with Luna, you've got the the benefit of the burn mechanism, but you also have the the market you know, sentiment around the token. So, you know, oh yeah, let's, let's, this is valuable. I want to get it on it early and maybe that's pumping it up beyond the actual quote, um, like intrinsic value there. But, and then the opposite happens when it goes down so, so suddenly. Yeah. There's that too. Right. We've been going for a while um, in this space. I've seen a few join um, anyone interested in, uh, you got any questions, anything additional we want to talk about? Not quite for me. I'm just taking it all in. Yeah. yeah CryptoSense, thanks for coming up. Uh, really awesome, uh, awesome thoughts and seem like a kindred spirit. I don't think we've ever had the opportunity to chat before, but I would love for you to come visit um, on the, the YFD Discord you know, offer your two cents on, no pun intended, maybe pun intended, offer your two cents on what we're building. And uh, yeah, I mean, I think like it's definitely the place for big brains such as yourself to, you know, help refine some of the strategies that the community will be pulling in and getting prepared to launch. So, or maybe you have some ideas of your own that you'd like to use the platform to, to realize. Yeah, sure. I'll check it out. I'm not in the Discord at the moment, but um yeah any, anyone else do i mean we're really wanting to make this a, a protocol owned you know owned by the builders kind of a builder owned co-op sort of experience so could you send me the link to the discord yeah absolutely okay, cool thanks anyways likewise yeah, Thank it, you. it was good talking to you guys yeah it was great thanks for coming up yeah. discord.gg slash yfd yeah, and I'll send you the link too. And thanks for having us, letting us come up here to, you know. Uh, yeah, I think we've covered a lot from liquid staking to B assets to longevity, living forever, and the collapse of society. We've pretty much covered everything, so it's good. Yeah, I'm totally. Looking awesome. forward to these vaults, brother. Thank you. Thank you for all this great yeah. information and hosting the space. I really appreciate you guys doing this weekly. Absolutely. Thanks for coming.
um, definitely check out the the skeleton punks and the you know everything that they have going on on that side of the house. We've got some really cool stuff, um, and hopefully more and more in the future that we can help realize. So, uh, I just want to also say that if anybody else in the audience has ideas, you know, my DMs are always open. Skeleton punks are always open. Like we're trying to build. So if you have something you don't know how to figure out on your own, we'll help you do it. Yeah, and as always, special thanks to Finn from Terra Spaces for recording this. Super appreciative. You know, go uh, go to the Terra Spaces, check out the recording, and donate. Um, definitely donate. Let's keep him keep him afloat, man. TerraSpaces.org forward slash donate. There you go. All right, thanks a lot, everybody. Have a great rest of the weekend. Take care, guys. Bye. Bye. Thanks. Bye. Thanks for checking out another episode of The Ether. That was part two of the two-part space hosted by Foundry DAO, Pivot to Liquid Staking and Bassets, recorded on Sunday, November 6th, 2022. For TerraSpaces.org, I'm Finn. Thanks for listening. And if you want to keep listening, head on over to TerraSpaces.org slash donate and show some support. Put your hands up like you got a couple questions Ain't no misdirection, just a bunch of flexing All aggressive, insane from all directions Smoke blows in when I start a session Plank canvas, blaze up the handlers Rocking back and forth like I got the van stuck Don't grind the clutch, mind your hush Put your mask on and don't touch the antlers Feeling untouchable when I'm on the verse But in the universe, I'm just writing some words Enticing these nerds while I'm laying out my memoirs Like, remember when I had to fight the centaur? I'm a book nerd, let me take you on the journey Lost in the labyrinth, searching out the lost fern For certain, got the taxes included Acting like a writer, never felt secluded Just another fixed game of try my luck Go lighten up dog. it could always be worse Unless you're in the back of a hearse Then you're dead, or putting in new speakers It's a toss up, driver, or just tweakers Don't stress yo, I've done the research Living life like a bunch of fucking lemurs It's a remake, off the cutting floor we take A little bit of poison and put it in the cheesecake Tastes great, less filling, less stress, more killing As he blew the cornerstone out the building And the box came tumbling down all humble Feels like we're drowning in a little puddle Rebuttal, I should be taking off in the shuttle Getting high in space with the Hubble Spaces.